Hello, this is David Brim, and I'm the founder of Orlando Entrepreneurs. We are the hub for Orlando entrepreneurship, and our mission is to connect, cultivate, and celebrate our local entrepreneurs. We bring together our local entrepreneurial ecosystem to help impact our entrepreneurs, their companies, and our local economy. Learn more at orlandoentrepreneurs.org. Now over to Josh Wilson to get forward with our show. Good day, everyone. Welcome to the Orlando Entrepreneur Show. My name is Josh. I'm your host, and I'm an entrepreneur. I travel around having conversations with other people here in Orlando to see what they're building, learn from them, so that we could give hope, inspiration, and education to the audience, and so I could ask a bunch of questions and learn myself. On today's show, we're having a conversation with Melody Montgomery, who has been an advocate for the startup scene here in Orlando for a long time, and uh, she has some interesting things that she would like to share with the audience of things that she's working on. So ladies and gentlemen, welcome Melody Montgomery to the show. Hi, all podcast listeners out there. Yeah. So Melody, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Uh, all right. So my name's Melody Montgomery, and I um, am following a non-linear career path. So I have started in sales, marketing. I've done pharmaceuticals, medical imaging. And for a variety of reasons, I took a hard left turn, it wasn't even 90 degrees, it was probably a 120 degree turn, and uh, uh, opened a residential cleaning service called Two Maids and a Mop. So now I run a maid service, which was not at all what I went to get my MBA for, but life is full of surprises. Yeah. So Two Maids and a Mop, uh, tell us a little bit about what you do there. Okay. So Two Maids and a Mop uh, exists because um, most people have too much stuff on their plate and not enough time to do it all. So we do residential cleaning, so dusting, vacuuming, mopping, taking the soap film off shower doors, those are the kinds of things we do because families are busy and uh, a lot of people don't want to spend their weekend cleaning after they've worked all week. So uh, we give them their time back so they can spend their weekends with their families while we're cleaning their house during the week while they're at work. Nice. Now how long ago did you start this? Because I was there when you, when you started thinking through it and we were chatting. But when, when was that? Remind me. So it was just about a year ago. So I've been open just a smidge over a year. Okay. So in a year, what kind of growth have you had as a company? So I have to say it's been a little crazy, uh, way more than I uh, anticipated. So um, Josh is here with me at my office, and he can see that I have a table, a conference table here in my office that seats six people. And I thought, okay, six people in a year, that's about, you know, uh, that's about right. Um, and then I had to go back to the furniture store where I kept buying furniture and adding chairs because now I have 14 people uh, in a year because my phone rings every day. Uh, someone's on my website every day. You know, we don't book everybody, but it's amazing to me um, how much demand there is for just people needing help. They've just got too much going on and they just can't get to all of it. So we get a lot of phone calls. It's grown faster than I would have anticipated. Awesome. So how did you experience that growth? Like how, what, for the people listening in who run a service-based organization, like how did you, how did you get to that growth? What did you do? Uh, I woke up a lot of days at two o'clock in the morning wondering how I'm going to cover the, the jobs I had on, on the books when I didn't have enough staff. Uh, the most important thing in a service business, well, I think the most important thing is, uh, in any business is your people. Your people are what make your business run. You can't run your business without the people there to, to deliver. Um, and for me, this is a high-touch industry. We're sending people into strangers' homes and touching everything they own and cleaning, so I have to make sure that I have people that 
care about attention to detail, that are, are reliable, that are, are screened, that have a clean background, that, uh, that care about doing a good job. So finding people that are a good fit for the culture, um, who want to stay is absolutely critical. And so you weed through a lot of people and you find out quickly, you know, this is not a good fit and you've got to move them out of the way and you've got to continue to look for people who will share your values and who represent your company out into the world because they are, they are the face of your company when they're out and about servicing their clients. Got it. So how do you find good people to, to do this kind of work? Because this isn't, this isn't, Easy work, this right? This is not sexy. This is not glamorous. This is, yes, this is, this is hard physical work. Um, one of the things for me that has been important is making sure that uh, the people on the team feel like they are respected and they're important and that you value what they do. Um, because I, I talk to a lot of people in the interview process and, you know, when you're, uh, you know, working at a retail or at a fast food or you're, you know, waitressing or bartending, you, you take a lot of stuff going on. So one of the things that's important to me is that, uh, that uh, they feel respected and they know that uh, I value the work that they do and I, I you know, say thank you and, and appreciate them and let them know why what they do is important, why this, you know, what this d does for the families that we're, we're cleaning for. You know, we clean for a lot of people that um, have health issues and what a blessing it is for those families that I can't get, you know, to some of the things and, um, you know, kind of some of the, the, the services that we offer really do make a difference in people's lives that they're so appreciative. So it's important to remind people of that when we're, you know, scrubbing out the shower that, you know, that makes a difference in the person who comes home and doesn't have to do it and it's already taken care of for them. So you think it's really important to transfer the appreciation to the employees so, yes. so they get to experience yes. the, the value of that, right? Absolutely. Um, so how do, you, how do you go about finding good people and what do you look for? Like when, so attention to detail, mm -hmm. that they truly care about the job, but like how do you go find them? If I'm looking for someone to, to help me with my business, right. where, where's a good place to start? Um, so I, one of the things I do is I, you know, I've, I post, uh, you know, I post the jobs on the internet and I, I get a lot of resumes uh, and I, you get a conversation with somebody on the phone and you get a sense right away, are they engaged? Are they interested? Is there any spark there? Um, and when I talk to them about our core values, you know, safety, respect, growth and accountability, when I talk about respect, I think that's really what resonates with some of the audience I'm talking to because I hear stories about, you know, my boss yelled at me and my boss, you know, would cut my hours for no reason and, you know, my boss would, would basically not treat me like uh, I was a full human. Yeah. And so when I talk to them about how important it is that we respect our customers, but how important it is that, you know, that's a mutual respect. That the customers also, you know, they don't get to yell at the staff. They don't get to talk down to them. They don't get to make them feel uncomfortable. Uh, and I let them know if you're ever in a situation where you feel like you're in a house where you're, you're, someone's crossed a boundary that you're uncomfortable, you can leave. You've got choices. You have agency about houses you go back to and you don't go back to. Um, because I want, if I don't value my employees, how are they going to value my customers? So I've got to model that to them so they can model that to my customers. I like that. So. You weren't always in this industry. Like you said, you took a 120, you were yes. in sales, medical imagery, and all these things. Yes. How in the world, like talk us through kind of your path, because you said you didn't go to MBA school, you know, you didn't get your MBA for this. Right. Kind of walk us through your career path 
uh, up to this. Okay. So I did, um, you know, worked in the medical field, and then I was doing consulting work. And part of that consulting work was getting on a plane Sunday night and coming home Thursday night. Yeah. And my daughter's a teenager, and I don't get makeup oh, time sorry. with her. Oh, I'm sorry. I know. I don't, I don't <laughs> advise teenage girls to anybody. If you're thinking about a teenage girl, I strongly advise against it. I say that with total love. In yeah. Case my daughter listens to I this I love later. my daughter. I have a six-year-old, so she's not there yet, hopefully. Um, oh, God. Um, Back on track. Sorry. Yeah, no, it's all good. All yeah. good. Um, so with the travel schedule with consulting, um, and there's times that I wasn't always home, you know, you realize very quickly you don't get makeup days with your kid. If you miss something with them, you don't get to do it later. Like, that's your one window. So, um, you know, I, I had left consulting, and I was looking at different opportunities, and I was, um, I was sitting at the bus stop with my daughter. I was in a suit. I was getting ready to interview for another job, and she's like, you know, hey, Mom, you teach MBA school. You teach, you know, you do consulting work, telling people how to run their business. Why don't you just start your own business? I was like, oh, wow. Well, you know, awesome that you think I'm capable of that because sometimes I think she thinks I'm the dumbest person on the face <laughs> of the earth with the eye rolls and the heavy size. But I was like, well, sweetheart, I mean, I thank you. You know, but it, starting a business, that's no joke. Like, that's hard. Most new businesses fail. It's very difficult. It's capital intensive. You have to have something that's unique, that people, there's got to be demand for it. You've got to have some kind of unique selling proposition. Like, and she's like, oh, that's right, mom. I forgot. In this family, we only do things that are easy. Oh. So oh. I, I, I realized all those years of trying to raise an empowered young woman were now staring me in the face, and I had to model the behavior I was trying to encourage her was valuable. So, of course, I'm looking at my watch hoping the bus comes soon because I don't have a good answer for that. So I started looking at, well, if I started a business, what would that look like? What's in demand? What, what do I value? And having had, you know, a dual career, you know, couple the whole time I raised her, I knew I didn't clean my own house. So when this opportunity came out in front of me, I said I certainly can understand the need for it. I certainly, I've been a, cu a customer of it for 20 plus years. Um, so yeah, let me jump in to the deep end of the pool that I have know nothing about and figure it out. Um, and so I started Two Maids and a Mop and my phone rang 45 minutes after I Plugged it in after I got my phone set up, and it's been off to the races ever since. So you looked at what am I currently spending my money on? Yes. And you've been doing it for 20 years. Yeah. Like yeah. paying for yep. home care. So I looked at if I if I you know if I had to cut my budget, you know I'd cut out maybe clothes shopping, maybe shoe shopping. I'd stop going to Starbucks. Maybe I'd let, let the, my gym membership go. The last thing I would let go is having somebody clean my house. Man, once you have somebody do it for you, it is very hard to go back and do it for yourself. I'm like, that's it. Like, there's, there's, a, there's value there in, in having, you know, a service. And I'm under no illusion we're doing anything for anyone they can't do for themselves. But, you know, people can cook, and restaurants seem busy. So everybody's time-starved and looking for ways that they can outsource things that they don't have to do for themselves. Man, this is called stickiness. What is the last, I mean, like, what is the last thing that I would cut? Like, you, you would give up shoe shopping, clothes shopping, Starbucks, yeah. movie night. You would give up all these things before, I'd before you gave up that. Yes. And that's how much you valued it. So, wow, that's, I've, I've never really looked at it like that. It's like, what am I currently spending money on? Mm -hmm. And what is the thing that I refuse to stop paying money for? Right. Wow, that's really guys, guys and gals listening into this show. Like this is this is a really good thing. Look at your life. If you're trying to think of ideas right now on what you could possibly build, you know, yes, as an entrepreneur, you could build a 
uh, a technology company, you can build a software company, you can, you can build a service-based company. Being an entrepreneur is building something for yourself with others, right? So this is a great um, point that, that Melody made on this. Um, but Melody, like before this, um, when we first met, you were doing consulting, right? Yes. And you were um, at the company you were Chief building. Chief Growth Officers. Chief Growth Officers. Mm -hmm. And w tell us a little bit about what that was. So Chief Growth Officers was working with small to medium-sized businesses that needed help getting their money right. So we did temporary and interim CFO placement uh, for companies that were trying to manage their cash flow, cut their expenses, or just kind of understand what was, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs have a big vision, you know, that I've got this great idea. And the small details, typically, uh, for a visionary leader, kind of fall by the wayside. And building a business, if you can't have the minutia of how the money moves through the business, you're going to run into trouble at some point. Yeah. So we work with a lot of companies that were, um, you know, trying to continue to grow, but how do they manage their cash, or do they need you know, investors, or if they, if, if investors are interested, they got to clean up their books, and they're not sure they're good. So uh, there was a lot of uh, interesting conversations around that. What did you learn? Because you you, you guys helped a, a lot of companies mm -hmm. with their with their books, being you know fractional CFOs. Like, what is one thing that you really learned there that you applied here, and it pushed you ahead of the game? Well, one of the things that I looked at um, when I was evaluating companies is cash flow. Um, you know, how where when does the money come in, and when does it go out? And I have to say that's one of the, the beautiful things about a cleaning model is there's no accounts receivable. You do the job, you get paid, same day. So there's no collections, the cash comes in. Um, it's, you know, it's not a high overhead business. You know, a vacuum, cleaning supplies, you know, a broom, you know, that's, that's pretty much what you need. Um, a website, uh, the ability to answer phone calls, scheduling software, billing software, you know, at, beyond that, most of your expenses are in your people because they're the ones out delivering the service. So it's not, it's not a high overhead, it's not a high cost of entry, uh, it's a very crowded marketplace, it's not complicated uh, to yeah. enter the marketplace, um, but it's hard to be consistent and do it well. So how do you cut through the noise? You said it's kind of a crowded marketplace. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of homes that need cleaning, right? There are. Like, how do you cut through the noise and get your phone to ring? like with that unique selling proposition? So a lot of that is done, uh, Two Maids in a Mop is a franchise, so a lot of that's done at the corporate office through the SEO and websites and how you're, you're found, but a lot of that is just being engaged in conversation. So uh, there's a lot of different community groups that are out there and people post all the time, hey, I need help, I need, um, and so just being visible there, mm -hmm. um, but a lot of it's just having conversations. I mean, I'm a PTA mom and you know I've been in this community for a long time, so you know, you, you live in different neighborhoods and people talk and once you kind of start getting some traction, uh, people ask, hey, you know, who do you, you know, my people, eh, they started good and now they're not so good. Do you have any recommendations? And so you want to be the ones that they recommend by doing a good job consistently. Nice. So talk to us about what is a franchise mm -hmm. and what is it like to work within a franchise? So a franchise for me, as uh, being someone who's somewhat risk averse, uh, kind of gave me the opportunity to open a business but have the recipe already made. Uh, so the, the brand was already there, the, the, um, the operations manual for, you know, here's how to book a clean, here's how to set up the pricing, here's how to set up your website, um, uh, here's, you know, here's how to, uh, you know, to train your people to make sure you're following the same consistent model on how you're cleaning the house, here's the cleaning supply. So all that was already done, I didn't have to figure it out, uh, and that accelerated my learning probably by uh, about a year and a half. 
because uh, I've talked to some other franchisees uh, in the in the network who started a cleaning business and struggled and they said you know once you have kind of the business in a box all you have to do is execute so if you can follow a system consistently and that is the key consistency this is not a sexy business but if you do the same thing the right things every day over and over again when they're tedious when they're boring when they're excruciating it's about doing it over and over again it's doing a hundred things right every time nice so who's a who's a franchise good for so the people out there in the in the in the community listening and they're going okay um, you know maybe I'm struggling having an idea mm -hmm. well I'm not great at creating the systems the processes like who do you think the franchise model is really strong for? I think the franchise model is strong for people who want to run a business, but they don't necessarily have some unique skill set that sets them apart, that differentiates them in the marketplace. So if you want to be, um, you know, whatever, if you want to, to um, I don't know, do, do marketing consulting, um, because you can build a website. Well, there's a hundred other people can, how are you going to be different? If you don't have something that is your unique selling proposition that, that differentiates you significantly, that you can articulate and have a portfolio to show like, well, I know this particular niche or I have this particular success rate. Um, if, you, if you don't have something you can articulate that is a differentiator, it's going to be very difficult to get any traction, to get any noise to start you know, kind of building a business. So if you're like, I want to own a business, but I'm not sure what I want to do, um, then I think you can look at, there's so many different franchises and there's so many uh, different avenues uh, of finding one that aligns with your values is really critical. You know, what, you know, if you go back to Simon Sinek, what's your why? If you don't have a why that resonates with that franchise, then you're going to burn out pretty quickly and decide that's not for you. So you have to. There's a pretty thorough vetting process you need to go through. So where do where do we go to learn more about like franchises? If I if I wanted to maybe not start a business but mm -hmm. jump into an existing model, right? And use that the systems process, not create the wheel again. Yeah. You know, hyper growth my my system and my in my in my learning process. Like if I want to do that through a franchise, where do I even begin? Okay. So there are some people that are franchise consultants that can help you navigate that process, and it takes months uh, to kind of art, to kind of winnow down, you know, what you want to do, how you want to do it. Uh, so Laura Blackmore was the one who connected me with Two Maids and a Mop, and I met her at uh, one of the networking events, and she kind of helped connect me because she knew I was looking at different things, and she suggested I talk to them because she felt like their values aligned with my values about making sure people were important and making, you know, understanding that this is a, a slow growth business. This is not like some startups that want a little bit and then a hockey stick. This is not a hockey stick business. This is a compound interest business where it's a little bit at a time. So there are franchise brokers who can kind of get you connected or just, you know, if you Google, you know, what franchises are available, there's lots of stuff to read. So you can kind of winnow through, you know, do I want to, you know, do I want to do you know, you know, I didn't want it for me. I didn't want to do pizza. I didn't want to do food. I didn't want to do uh, anything that had uh, high inventory. I wanted something that I could do, you know, on my own. Uh, and so this was a good uh, price point and a good value uh, alignment. So is it capital intensive to get involved in a startup? And I'm sure there's things that you just can't discuss on the on the show. But like, per, I guess prepare me in the audience, like. 
like, what do we need to prepare for when getting into a franchise in terms of capital? Uh, well, the, the, you, if you're looking at uh, a franchise in the disclosure document, there's a very lengthy, uh, for every franchise, we'll have a, what's called a franchise disclosure document, and it'll tell you how much of an investment you need. So you can be anywhere from 50000 to $5 million, you know, depending on what you're looking for. And some, like Chick-fil-A, it's a franchise, uh, some require you to work there before you can be eligible. Uh, so there, there's a wide range of price points at which you can enter a business. Yep. So you've got to look at, you know, it doesn't all have to come out of your pocket. There's, there's financing of, uh, options available. So it, it's really two things. One, what aligns with your values, and two, like how much risk are you comfortable, you know, investing in, you know, and how long until you get return, and you know, when, you know, how, what's your time horizon for when you want to run the business? What's the exit strategy look like? You know, is it saleable at the end? So those are all things that I considered about, you know, what is the Stephen Covey says? Start with the end in mind. Yeah. If I if I if I own a business, and this is one of the things we saw a lot in chief growth officers, is people who wanted to exit the business, but it, they had to clean it up first. That's not a two week process. Um, you know, if, if selling a house takes two months, selling a business can take two years. Yeah. So understanding if I eventually want to sell this business. What is that going to look like? Is there a market for that? How does that work? So, you know, kind of reverse engineer. What do I need to do now to make the business valuable? So if I want to exit in five years, 10 years, 15 years, what does that look like? So you can do that within the franchise model? Correct. Okay. So this is, you know, a lot of times someone's like, ah, you know, I, I, I talked to a lot of people. They just exited their business. And I'm like, you know, what's next? And they're like, I don't know. Right. I don't know if I want to go through the grind of starting up something again. Yes. Right. So this might be a good option for you know, second careers or something mm. like second there's stage a, or something. There's a lot of franchisees that are second careers. Like I had corporate America and then I wanted to start a business, but I didn't know what that was, but I knew I wanted to be a business owner. So I see a lot of people that have gone into franchising because they're just, they realize their corporate career is only going to take them so far and they've got this dream of home uh, business ownership on their bucket list. Yeah. Uh, this gives them a way to do that. Um, Without all the headaches of creating. Oh, yes. There's still plenty of headaches. Let me, I don't want to undersell that. Plenty. <laughs> you mean it's not super easy? <laughs> oh, no. No, there are many nights I woke up and thought, what did I do? How did I end up here? What? Oh, have I lost my mind? Um, but, you know, like I said, you just get up and do it again and do it again and do it again. Yeah. Now, before we hit record and you and I were talking, we've been friends for a while, um, you had a major pivot in your life mm. that, that forced you to choose because you were doing a few different things yes that kind of forced you to choose do you feel comfortable talking about it absolutely all right so tell, tell us you know walk us through what what's going on so in your one world. of the, one of my original plans was uh, with chief growth officers you know we'd be busy on projects and the projects would end and then you know then the revenue so you know we had kind of these ups and downs with revenue and so I looked at uh, the residential cleaning business as a secondary business I was my plan was to do both uh, to continue the consulting, to start this business and then have it run on the side, have it professionally managed and, you know, just kind of have it kind of tangential. Well, in the middle of that, I, being the good rule follower and having worked in healthcare, uh, went for a routine mammogram and came back with some surprises that I wasn't expecting. So, you know, when my uh, doctor said, oh, by the way, you're now going to have to start surgery, chemotherapy and radiation, I was like, hold on, wait, let me look at my schedule. Nope. Let me I, see if I can book this. Hold on, right? let, me, let me see if I can squeeze. No, I, I don't have time for that. I'm oh sorry. That's going to have to wait. But, um, you know, having worked in medical imaging where we did um, 
PET scans, uh, positron emission tomography on cancer patients, I, I knew very quickly that my world was going to go from this huge amount of things to a very narrow focus because I would only have a finite amount of energy and I wanted to say, okay, if I can't do both, I'm going to have to shut this one down uh, because this one will die without me. So, so the residential cleaning took off so fast and had so much momentum. I thought if I step away, I'm going to lose all the momentum I have. And now these people report to me. Like these are families that I am now supporting in my business. I can't let them down. So I said, I, I, we ended up shuttering chief growth officers and I just did this. And most people open this business as a, as a couple and I opened it on my own. So I was like, I can't, I can't not do it because I don't want to let the people down who have put their trust in me, who quit their jobs to come and work here and do this. Mm. So um, I definitely recommend uh, for anyone starting a business, do not get cancer the first year. It's a terrible, <laughs> terrible what plan. a bad plan, It's huh? a terrible plan. Definitely, <laughs> if I have any recommendation, it would be that. Don't do that. Yeah. Um, but uh, the second part of that is you have to play the hand you're dealt. Like, that's in my hand. Okay, so I don't have an option. So get up, do it again. When you feel like crap, get up and do it again. It doesn't, there are days I would get up and I was like, it, I felt awful. And I'd come to work and there'd be 10 phone calls and two emergencies and a scheduling thing. And then all of a sudden it's three o'clock and I, I didn't even know where, where the day went. And I wasn't thinking about Man, I feel awful. Man, I feel, uh, I was so busy and caught up with the mental focus that requires all the logistics of keeping this running that it took that focus on how I felt. Like that came later, uh, but it, it got me through the day. Yeah. So in some ways it was kind of a blessing to have this business that took the focus away from navigating the crap that is a medical crisis. Yeah. So. A lot of people building a business, um, you know, have their have the headaches of starting a business and managing employees, trying to get new customers. Yes. So add on top of that, cancer. Yes. Right. Um, which is a bad plan. In case I didn't make that which clear. Which is a terrible idea. <laughs> I don't know why you signed up for that. <laughs> but how? What? How did that? This was recent. This was January, right? This was. How, I got the diagnosis in October. I started treatment in November. I opened in March, May of last year. So May I opened. October, I got the diagnosis. November, I started treatment. Oh my God. All right. What did this do to your mindset? And um, yeah, what did this do to your mindset? And, and were there any dark periods in the, in the midst of this? Oh, yes. Yeah. If we had had this conversation in January, it would have looked very different. You, you would have yeah. punched me if I asked you that question. <laughs> I, no, I would have been just laying on the ground oh, going, I don't, you know. Uh, and so, yes, I would say, um, you know, chemotherapy and radiation is a slog. I mean, it's just awful. You know, when you're, they're, you know, putting poison in you, trying to kill the cancer, but not quite kill you, but they're kind of getting close. So there was definitely time when I was in the thick of the, the heavy lifting on that and the radiation every day that I honestly thought, I, I get why some people say, I'll quit treatment, I'd rather die, because it's not worth it. Because it's the same thing every day. I wake up, I feel awful. I go to work, I'm trying to keep the plate spinning. Uh, I'm, I'm sprinting out of the office at 3 o'clock so I can get to radiation at 4, so I can come back, run the billing, I go home, I pass out, I try to eat some dinner, I go back to bed, there's nothing fun, there's no joy in it. 
and every day is the same and you can't see it changing anytime soon so that in January was the entire month like every day sucked and I didn't see a way that it was ever gonna get better for people who are in that and, and everybody has something going on right now but for people who are who are stuck in something right and every day just feels like awful awful like I, and tomorrow is gonna be more awful yeah what what do you have to say to those people out there who are in the middle of that right this minute it doesn't last forever just get through that day and try not I mean I know it's there's this have a three-year plan have a five-year plan and that's all well and good but sometimes it's a five-minute plan I just have to get through the next five minutes let me get to the next phone call let me get this email out let me get just what is right in front of me let me just deal with that because looking at the whole thing can be overwhelming yeah so it's it's little mini goals let me let me just get through lunch let me just get through dinner let me just go to bed and let me get up and let me like it you can't you can't eat the elephant you can just say okay this is what's in my spoon um, and know that it doesn't last forever and that's what I kept trying to tell myself like someday I'll feel better but man it doesn't feel like it when you're in the middle of it uh, I mean I was I was complaining to one of my mentors today and I said I just don't like the pain that I'm in yes right? I just don't like this and he said Josh it's not gonna last forever right it's a part of the journey don't miss the learning lesson in that spot and I'm like I don't want to learn anymore right right yeah I got it when's the when's the downhill skiing where right. it's fun right, right. So when did things start turning around for you? So when I finished the radiation uh, and I finished uh, the last of the really toxic, you know, where all your hair falls out and uh, chemotherapy, when that was over and I started to almost feel like a human being again, it made it better. But I have to say one of the things that kept me going is when I would come here and I would meet with my team, you know, there's a lot of people on the team who have hard things in their life, who are going through challenges with family and kids and, you know, financial situations are trying to get, you know, and so when I was like, man, my life is awful and this sucks, and I would come here, I would say, I know where my next meal is coming from. I know where I'm sleeping tonight. Yeah. I have people in my family that love me. So this thing that's awful, man, it doesn't look so bad when I compare it to some of the things that some of my people are going through. Mm -hmm. So it really does help you keep it in perspective. You know, what I went through, it sucked, but it was hugely inconvenient. But I'm gonna get to see my daughter graduate high school and I'm gonna live to fight another day. So, okay, I'll take inconvenient over catastrophic any day because yes, it's a slog and you have to get up, but you get to get up. I'll wake up tomorrow. So, okay, it's hard just keep going was there a point so being around actually other people and working through things with other people around right so mm -hmm. you're going through hard times they're going through hard times but you're going through it together for a common goal of the, the right. company right right was there a um, was there something that was it difficult to be around other people is was there any point where you wanted to go more into solitude oh as suffering? absolutely yes oh I totally wanted to withdraw into my cave and not speak to another human I absolutely wanted that yeah um, but that wasn't an option so I didn't I didn't get to pick that yeah do you think that if you chose that do you think we'd be having a different conversation now if you chose to withdraw there was a lot of people who said oh my gosh I are you gonna take time off you should take time off of work 
that's a luxury. I mean, yes, that's, wouldn't that be nice to just, but then what am I going to do? Lay on the couch and focus on how miserable I feel? Like for me, that would have made it 10 times worse, in my opinion. I would have just gotten stuck in that vortex of how awful I feel. Because I was already in the vortex of how awful I feel, but at least I had something literally to take my mind off of it when I had to do what I had to do. So I, you, can get st you can get stuck in those bad places. And if that's all there is, is you in that bad place, I don't know how you climb out. You've got to have some kind of ladder that you can grab onto to pull yourself up, even if the ladder's painful. Yeah. Um, but yes, there are times when I'm like, man, I would love to just lay on the couch and complain. Right. And I did, please don't, don't, don't misunderstand. I spent some days doing that. Those were my weekends. Um, but having something that I had to do gave me a reason to keep moving. And I think that's what got me through it. Yeah, the responsibility of the people yes. that you serve. Yes. And the, the customers and your employees. Right. right? Hmm. Uh, I like what you said about playing the hand you were dealt. Mm. At any point where you're like, this isn't fair. Oh, yes. I had a lot of bargaining with God. Yeah. You know, a lot of me uh, coaching him on how this could have been handled much better. How'd that go? Yeah, not so much. Uh, it really frustrates me that he is not more receptive to my suggestions. But yeah. That has not been my experience. So sometimes I do have to learn to kind of submit to what has happened. but. Yeah. doesn't mean I have to like it, but yes, I definitely, um, was a lot of prayers and many of my prayers came, contained a lot of profanity, so. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> well, so people who have been dealt uh, a crap hand, mm -hmm. right, what, what advice do you have for them? Because when I find someone who has overcome something, mm -hmm. I like to dig into that, not to, uh, I mean, to, to give the to give other people, you know, the, the formula, right? Or mm -hmm. the, or keys that can help other people. Right. So what, when you were dealt a crap hand, like what is a good way to approach that? Or what did you learn from that? So um, one of the things, um, you know, in some of the, some of the training and consulting I've done um, has to do with call, what's called Cartman's Drama Triangle, where people I think get stuck. Uh, there's three uh, access to this triangle. One is uh, victim, one is villain, and one is persecutor. And that you kind of get stuck in this. And where I find most people get stuck is in this victim mm. um, role of how did this happen to me, which is totally valid. Crappy things happen to people. And it's okay to say, man, I feel this sucks that this happened to me. Yeah, this sucks. However, if you're stuck there, how did this happen to me? This always happens. I can't do anything about it. It's that mindset. I can't do anything about it. Well, I can't do anything about the fact that I got this diagnosis. I can't, I can't, I can't make it not happen. It happened, but every day you have a choice. And sometimes the choice is as simple as, do I want to live or die? But the fact that I have a choice means I still have some power. So I'm going to choose to live and I'm going to choose to get up. So, when you have crap happen to you, realize that it happens to you and you have it. I mean, sometimes your choices are awful. Like you're having this huge fight with your, your teenage daughter and you think, okay, what are my choices? I could put her up for adoption or I could not. Now, putting a teenager up for adoption is pretty awful. Yeah. But the fact that you realize I have a choice, you know what, I'm gonna to choose to be her parent. Even on the days it's awful and painful and suck, but that is my choice. I am choosing that, I am intentional about that. So realizing that in everything in your life, you have a choice. Your other choice may be awful and not one you ever wanna pick, but, but you do have the power to choose.
Oh, so choices, when you have a choice, you have power. I would argue you always have a choice. Mm. Okay, I like that. So you're, you, you had this really horrible diagnosis and you had to, you had to choose, mm-hmm. right? Because you were running um, chief growth. Chief, chief growth officers and teammates <laughs> and a mop. Yeah, it's a lot. Right. So you're running you know, two different, you know, one's a consultant, one's mm-hmm. your own business, and you had to choose, yep. and you had to narrow your focus. So the, the pressures of life and the, the situation forced you to narrow focus. Yes. How did that narrowing of your focus affect your professional growth? Oh, that's a good question. Um, that's what I get paid for, to ask <laughs> questions. <laughs> um, well, in some ways, I think it accelerated the growth here because I wasn't distracted by anything else. Um, I, I loved the conversations I had at Chief Growth Officers. I mean, yes, from a professional standpoint, it was very fulfilling to talk about big visions for companies and cash flow and, and, and succession planning. I mean, that was all extraordinarily rewarding. I mean, not, not the talking about, um, you know, pumice stones and, you know, wh- what degreaser and what you can use on, you know, to not streak the windows. Not that that's not professionally rewarding. However, um, you know, in some ways, because I was dealing with all this health stuff, I didn't have the mental bandwidth to have the big conversations. I don't think I, if I had chosen chief growth officers over this, I don't think I could have done it because I couldn't go out and network. I couldn't go out and have conversations. Like I had to stay in my little bubble. So in a lot of ways, the timing couldn't have been better uh, in terms of I had to retreat uh, and I couldn't go out and network because you know my white blood count is down. I couldn't, I, I can't, had to come to the team and say, I can't field train you anymore because I literally can't go into the houses. Uh, and my team stepped up and they're like, I'll take on this, I'll take on that. And it empowered them to take on a lot more responsibility than I would have given that early in the game, but I didn't have an option. So in a lot of ways, I'll be the first to admit, sometimes I have trouble letting go of control, but when you realize you, like this, I, I want it to be this ideal way that you have in your head, when you realize I, I just can't, then you have to let it go because you, you, you I mean, literally, it will kill you if you can't let parts of it go. Uh, and so I had to- Let it go. I had to let it go. And it empowered my people to take on a lot more responsibility, which made them a lot happier. Do you think control in, inhibits, maybe that's not the best word, growth? Maybe that is the best word. Well, I would say control is an illusion. You think you're in control, but you're really not. All right, yeah, let's go into this. I like this, control so, is an illusion. Um, so the idea that you know I control my staff and I control the way they do things, I really don't. I, I can't control who comes to work every day. I can't control what happens when they're out in the houses. All I can do is give control them, tell them what I want them to do, set the expectations, and tell them I trust you and I empower you and I believe you're gonna do a good job until you tell me differently. So when you then turn over, give them control, um, People like to, to decide for themselves. You know, people like to have choices. So when they realize it's my choice to do a good job or not, when it's on them, then they can decide. Not me telling them what to do, they decide for themselves. So, um, you know, when you realize I can't do all this, so I, I think one of the things as a leader is you have to be able to be vulnerable. I had to come in 
after my diagnosis and say, hey team, this is what happened. Our lives, our, because we're building this business together. Our lives are about to change. I no longer have the bandwidth. I need help. Tell me what you want to do. And people raised their hand and said, I want to help with this. I want to help with that. Great. What does that look like? And we built it together. You said, and I, and I like smiled when you said this because I've never heard someone say this, the cancer came at the perfect time. Yes. <laughs> All right. So let's just say cancer never happened. Mm -hmm. Uh, do you think you would have released control? Absolutely not. Totally. No, no chance. No chance. Do you think you would have experienced this type of growth if you, if you tried to gr grow it by holding control of everything? I don't know if the growth would have been different. It may have been, but I think I would have had a lot more turnover in my staff and them wanting, seeing that they could do more and not having the opportunity to do it. So, you so it would have been a, so it probably would have inhibited growth and it certainly would have inhibited the longevity and the tenure of some of the people on my staff. So your limitations, do you think your limitations made you a better leader? Absolutely. Because I, I had to say, I can't do it. And that is a hard thing to make those words come out of my mouth. That is a hard thing for a leader to say, right? Or for, for like a hard driving entrepreneur, yes. someone who wants to build something. Oh, yes. You're an ambitious lady. I'm, I'm under the illusion that I'm, you know, bulletproof and under control and I'm smart enough to figure it out and I'm tough enough that I don't need you to approve or even like me. So I'm all like badass in my own mind. Yeah. And all of a sudden when you're like, oh. I can't do it. I can't do it. I literally, physically, emotionally, don't have the bandwidth like I can't do it and that was a so hard to come in and say I to my team I need help all right how do you how, you having to ask for help was that a new thing for you yes it's excruciating I hate asking for help <laughs> I'm, I'm I love offering help I yeah. love helping people I hate asking for it because I don't want to appear weak or, or vulnerable or incapable um, and I hear that all the time, by the way, with the ladies who call me and say, I need your help. Um, there's a lot of cleaning therapy that goes in with the, the women who call and say, you know, I can't stay on top of the house anymore. I finally, I'm going to break down and get a service because I'm just, I'm vacuuming at 2 o'clock in the morning and I, I just, I'm, I'm like, I'm at a zombie state. Um, so it's, I totally get those ladies who are like, I'm afraid to ask for help. And they have a hard time asking you for help. Yes. And so you said that there's some cleaning therapy in this. What's cleaning therapy? Cleaning therapy is when I get the phone call of, I'm thinking about having my house cleaned. It seems like a luxury. I don't think I should spend money on it. And I said, well, tell me what your situation looks like. And then I hear about, you know, I'm having this health issue or I've taken on this new project at work or, you know, I've got this many kids and, you know, I'm trying to get them you know, to the soccer game and, you know, I'm, I'm cleaning on the weekend and I would rather be here or I'm cleaning at night till 10 o'clock at night. I clean after the kids go to bed. I start at 10 o'clock. And so I'm unpacking and it's so interesting because uh, it's, it's primarily the ladies who feel like they need to justify why they're asking for my service. Wow. Because it means that they're not perfect, that they're not on top of everything. And somehow there's some element of shame that the ladies aren't keeping the house the way they should be, and they're afraid to admit it. So there's a lot of unpacking of, it's okay to ask for help. There's nothing wrong with saying, I can't do it all. By the way, when the guys call, 
they don't have that unpacking to do. They're like, my house looks like hell. Can you help me? Yeah, when can you come? That's it. It's a very straightforward yeah. conversation. How much? Tell me when you can come. Right. And that's it. Get it done. Not with the ladies that call. They feel like they need to explain to me why they need help and that I need to validate that it's okay for them to have permission to, to get somebody to help them. So I'm not a lady. I mean, you could probably tell by the I guess that okay. about you. <laughs> so what advice do you have or words of wisdom do you have for ladies out there? That that it is okay to not be perfect. It's so interesting, the ladies that call that are, I mean, literally they will say, I'm ashamed to let you into my house because of the way it looks. Mm. Um, there's an element of, of, of shame of, I know somehow because of you know the gender roles, it's still my responsibility to make sure the house is in good order. And when it's not, I consider it a personal failure. And so helping them get to that transition of, well, hold on. You're managing the kids. Are they eating on a regular basis? Do they get to school? Are Do they, they alive? Are they alive? Because <laughs> if the kids are alive at the end of the day, that's that's in the win category. Yeah. Um, and so I, it's okay to say, you know, oh, you know, when's the last time I dusted my baseboards? Because if you don't dust your baseboards, nobody dies, so it can wait. And then by the time you realize, it becomes such an enormous job because it hasn't been done in an inordinate amount of time that you just don't even want to do it. So it's, so I do a lot of unpacking of, you know what, and that's what I tell the ladies, and this is honestly true, because sometimes we're so busy, I can't get my own house on the schedule, which is a little sad. Um, and I tell them, look, I'm not here to judge you, because if you came to my house right now, you'd never hire me to clean yours, because I get how the laundry piles up and how the grocery bags stay in the corner on the floor that you haven't put them away, and that, you know, that if, you know, and that I've taught my daughter to dress right out of the dryer so she doesn't have to hang stuff up and put it in the dresser. These are all valuable life skills. Yeah, the warm clothes right out of a dryer. Warm clothes out of the, it doesn't get better than that. <laughs> um, so, you know, there's a lot of permission to not be perfect and that we're not going to come there and judge you, that we're here to help you uh, so that you don't have to feel like you have to do it all. Like, it's okay to raise your hand and say, I'd need a little help. It's okay to ask for help. Um, what's the best way to ask for help? And that might be s too simple of a question. Mm -hmm. But yeah, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Like I would say, you know, kind of look at what's on your plate. Like, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, if you're, you know, oh, do I need to make all the organic food, uh, you know, cook from scratch and never do fast food? You know, if that's your thing, awesome. But if that is so stressful, you have to give yourself permission to not be perfect. I think once you give yourself permission to not be perfect, like, you know, has my daughter ever eaten a Happy Meal? Yeah, she has. Were those banner days where I thought, man, I'm really doing the best for my daughter nutritionally? No, they weren't. She didn't die. You know, I, I would have rather fed her quinoa and kale, but, you know, which battle am I going to pick? Um, so every, I think it's just looking at where's my stress coming from? Where's my bandwidth? What can I outsource um, and still feel like I'm doing what I want to do? So if you want to cook for your family, that's awesome. Um, if you want to cook sometimes and not, you know, if you want to enlist, the, like, how do you want that to look? So you've got to craft what you want it to look like and then realize what you don't want. Sometimes knowing what you don't want is just as important as knowing what you do. I mean, there's some people who say, man, I love to clean. That's awesome. If you find it therapeutic to do windows, have at it. 
But if you're cleaning and resentful the whole time, like, <laughs> I can't believe I'm doing this. Nobody else in my family is helping me. I'm yeah. the one cleaning the bathroom while they're, you know, watching TV in the living room. If it gets to that point of resentment, then it's time to say, if it doesn't serve you, then outsource it if you can. You know, there's a reason restaurants are busy. There's a reason that there's cleaning services. There's a reason there's lawn services. There's a reason, you know, that there's laundry services because you, you've got to realize, here's my bandwidth. What's killing me? Um, and how, what can I outsource so that I can have things in my life that I want uh, and I don't feel resentful about the things I don't want? Mm. What do you think, so we made it past, in, in your goal setting, right? Yes. You said, okay, how can I survive this day? Yes. How can I survive till lunch? Right. How can I survive to, so we, we moved past that. Yes. You said things started to, uh, you started seeing the light, right? And things, not not, not the wrong light, right? Like, <laughs> right. Things, but things, definitely <laughs> at the end of the tunnel, it's like, oh, this is, yeah. But, uh, you know, things, you said things are, are moving in, in the right direction for you. Like, now, like, do, do the goals get bigger and longer? Or, like, how do you move from going, I need to make it past lunch right. to, like, where are you at now? Right. So now I'm at, you know, let me look at, you know, what am I going to do for the month? What am I going to do for the quarter? What am I going to do toward the end of the year? So, I, you know, I've, my horizon has gotten a little longer. Got it. Um, this is a very high-touch business, so there has to be a, you know, how do I get through today? How do I make sure that I have enough people to cover everything that's on my schedule? And, you know, when things run long or run short, how do I move things around? So there's a lot of kind of uh, logistics that go into, you know, keeping the plate spinning for this. But now I'm like, okay, I know demand is going to pick up here. How do I have enough people hired now to get to there? And how do I help uh, kind of outsource uh, some of the some of the things that are on my plate? Because now it's grown beyond what one person can manage. So, so it's looking at where am I now? Uh, where am I going to be at the end of the year? Where am I going to be at two years? So it's, uh, man, it's amazing when you don't feel like hell how it expands your time <laughs> so, horizon and so it, it expands and at some point it was completely narrow and focused so yes. horizons couldn't and and you think that's okay i think that's totally fine okay. you know it, sometimes it's man i can't think about next week like let me just get through today and if that's enough then let it be enough and it's okay it's okay to give your permission yourself permission to not be perfect yes all right so now talk to um, as, as we kind of get towards the end of this, I want you to talk to the homeowner, yes. right? The, maybe, maybe the ladies who are having that, the, the guilt or shame and you're, you're yes. saying it's okay to ask for help, Yes. right? So what advice do you have for them? It's okay to ask for help, yes. but like, like what, what words could you pass on to these, these other women out there? Because I can't speak to them, right? right? All I could do is be a microphone for them, yes. for you. Yes, so I would say um, the most important thing is communication. Um, hands down so communicate what it is you want every homeowner every uh, uh, so first of all uh, you've got to have communication internally you've got to be able you know a lot of the ladies are like I'm overwhelmed I'm stressed out this and this uh, and I say okay that's great you know here's our pricing oh you know let me talk to my husband this is an expense I'm like okay I get that but is he helping you clean like if he's not helping you <laughs> clean then tell him one of two things this is what you know, so after they talk to me, then they may have to have some marriage counseling. Uh, tell him one of two things. E you know, I'm I'm resigning as the housekeeper. So either you do it, or you know, this is how much it costs. You pick. Doesn't matter to me as long as it gets done. But I'm no longer doing it. So you know, sharing the wealth in terms of you know covering th things at home. Um, That's awesome. Uh, but I, I think it's it's um, it, sometimes it's hard to let that go. Like I know I, the way I want my house cleaned. Yeah. Uh, so if you've got somebody in, um, and I, 
you've got to communicate to them. You know, what's important to them. You know, for some people it's, it's master bathroom, for some people it's dog hair, for some people it's, you know, vacuuming the couch. But your, your service won't know what's important to you unless you tell them. So it's got to be a partnership of communicating. So, you know, so for the homeowners, they've got to communicate internally of, hey, you know, I'm having this done, so we need to have, you know, we, we need to make sure that people are coming in the house, they're going to do this for us, but we need to, we need to all be on board about, you know, this is what we're going to do, and then communicating with the people who are doing it, like, this is what I want, hey, I didn't like this, I prefer you do this. Nobody is psychic uh, in, in this realm of knowing what you want unless you ask for it or, or communicate it. So to me, that's really important is, you know, if we, if we come out and it's not perfect, tell me so we can fix it. Because yeah. I don't know unless you communicate to me. Yeah. Do you think people have a hard time, once they hire you guys, yes. feeling guilty or, or shame like when, when they have other people serving them? Is it hard to be served? Sometimes it is. Yeah. Sometimes it is because, in, you know, in some ways we're kind of invisible. For a lot of the houses, nobody's home. So it's like these cleaning fairies come and then just things magically happen. I love um, cleaning fairies. I am a huge fan of cleaning fairies. Um, so I think, I think there is, uh, it's interesting. I, we have uh, clients that um, hire our services uh, uh, remotely. Like they, their parents live here and they live somewhere else and they're like, hey, my mom's overwhelmed. Will you come out and clean? So I talked to them. That's a great gift to your parents, right? It's an amazing gift. And by the way, it's also a good gift for people with new babies. Uh, so, you know, it's a great baby shower gift because, you know, after you've had a baby ah. for six weeks and haven't slept, it's nice to have somebody vacuum for you. Yeah. Just a little plug for that. Um, but it's interesting, you know, when I reach out to the, to the mom here and say, hey, you know, we've got a, a gift certificate. We're going to come out and here's what we're going to do. It's amazing how... Um, yeah, they feel guilty. What do I need to do? What, how, how do I get ready? I don't, I'd, and this is essentially the message they're saying, I don't want you to think I'm a bad housekeeper when you come, so what do I need to do before you get here <laughs> yeah. so you won't judge me badly? Yeah. And I say, all you need to do is open the door. Oh, and that's we'll, awesome. And we'll take care of it from there. So, That's good. What questions should I have asked that, uh, that you'd like to talk to the audience about? What, what questions should I have asked you that I totally missed the mark on? Oh, I don't think you missed the mark on anything. Um, I will say... I would never have done this if my daughter hadn't shamed me into it yeah. um, because I am risk averse. I don't like things that, I'm, that, that make me nervous. And so if you're thinking about doing something, there's lots of ways to enter into it without jumping into the deep end of the ocean. Um, so start things as a side gig. Start things like don't be a... You've got to get past the point of, okay, if I do this and totally fail, so what? Like, what will happen? What's the worst thing that can happen? If you can play out the worst thing that could possibly happen and play that all the way out, like, okay, will we be homeless? Will my kids stop eating? Like, will, you know, will somebody die as a result of this? You know, if that's the case, then you may want to evaluate it pretty yeah, seriously. Yeah, your business might be crazy, right? right? But if you're like, well, if this... If this happens and people will judge me and and I'll be I'll consider myself a failure. Well, to who and who do you, who, what do you who cares? Who cares, yeah. who cares if your friends think if you're a failure? I mean, it, it matters what you think. Yeah. You know, you've got to answer to yourself. So quit looking for external validation. If you're if you want to do something, you have the choice. You should do it. Mm. 
I think Nike's got a phrase that goes along that lines. So. Do it. Just do it. Just do it. And if they don't, we'll trademark it right, together. Right. Okay. Awesome. Where can people go to find out more about you and to connect with you? So um, if you want uh, to hear, hear more about house cleaning services, you can go on to www.2maidsovito, T-W-O-M-A-I-D-S, Ovito. Um, and um, if you want to uh, reach out to me on email, you can reach me at Ovito, O-V-I-E-D-O, at I need a maid.com. <laughs> That's awesome. And ladies and gentlemen, we are actually in the midst of cleaning right now. In the background, you hear buzzards going off. That's laundry. We are in the midst of cleaning fairies. Yes. So she didn't cuss, and that wasn't a buzzard. <laughs> that was actually uh, a washer and dryer. That's right? my, yeah, you got to get the, the laundry done for the next day so we can go out and do some clean, more. And clean again. Awesome. All right, so ladies and gentlemen listening in, if you want to connect with Melody and learn more about the business and get your house cleaned or buy it as a gift for someone, you know, I encourage you to check it out. Hopefully we learned uh, together a lot about how to go through rough times, how to deal with um, the hand that was dealt you, um, how to have choices and, and empower yourself and, and the people around you, how to release control, like some major golden nuggets. If you gain something from this conversation with Melody, my encouragement to you is that you reach out to our guests and you let them know, hey, what you said was valuable to me, what you said impacted my life in some way or inspired me. So that's my call to you guys, the, the listeners in here. Reach out to our guests and say what you said was important. So uh, until then, guys, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening into the show. Hope you tune in for the next one. Love you guys. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening in on today's episode. If you would like to be a guest on the show or start a conversation with me, Josh, your host, send me an email to josh at orlandoentrepreneurs.org. You can also find out more information on Orlando's entrepreneurial ecosystem, discover resources to help you start and grow your business, and subscribe to future shows by visiting www.orlandoentrepreneurs.org.